1: Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Britt here today and I have a super exciting guest coming on to the show. The guest I'm bringing on, Steve Zapato, the most famous, unfamous speaker in America, you guys. Okay, so you know what, without further ado, Steve, welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks a
2: lot, Brittany. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, we were having fun talking about how we pronounce names and how we talk about each other and how some of us want to be introduced to these big, long introductions. And, you know, the fact is that you only care what I can do for you today. And that's what we, why we hope you're tuning in.
1: 100 percent, Steve. Thank you so much. And you know what? Like, why don't we just start with a bit of your story and your journey and you fill in the gaps along the way and we'll take it from cool. there.
2: All right. Um I'll tell you, people ask me, how'd you get started? And I go back, uh, I'm 73 now. And I go back, uh, when I was 25 years old, my mother, I was working at IBM as a salesman. My mother called me up and said, hey, uh, she ran several women's organizations. And she said, hey, my speaker for tonight to cancel. I went, gee, I'm sorry, mom. You know, she went, you don't understand, I need a speaker. And I went, I don't know any speakers. And she went, no, you don't get it. You're my speaker. And I was like, uh, I'm not a speaker. She said, you are tonight. And of course, you know, you can't say no to your mom. So mm-hmm. I went, you I showed to do that. yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and I showed up and I did a 20 minute fun talk uh, to this at the time, a bunch of old ladies, you know, they were 55 or something. Oh my God, so old. And did a talk, had a good time, and they called me back three or four times, and from there it just built. And uh, took me about three years of doing that kind of work before I got hired, actually hired and paid to speak, started traveling, and then spent more than 30 years uh, traveling and uh, moving around the country. Uh, speaking, talking on different topics, all for corporate corporations, corporate America, management uh, uh, meetings, that kind of stuff, teaching people how to be better at what they do.
1: This is incredible, Steve.
2: Thanks. But that's my start. You know, that's one of the things when people say, how do I get started? I go, you just got to start, you know? Um, Yeah. You go back 50, 40 years, which is what I've been doing. You know, 40 years, you got to say the, the, Climate was different, and it was I think easier to get personally hired for decent jobs back then. Now you have to have more sophistication. You have to have the videos. You know, I mean, I did uh, speaker talks uh, in Tampa, which was a a every six month event for three years that took people, put them on stage, gave them a a quality video so that they could apply for jobs and people could see how good they are in front of an audience. And that's Mm -hmm. what you have to have. You have to have a speaker reel that you put together. You have to have your one sheet. You have to have the things that are going to help you become better as a speaker. And of course, being better as a speaker, I now run a thing called uh, Coco Mastermind, and it's called Confident Conversations. And what it's about is teaching people how to have uplifting conversations, conversations that lift the other person up. So when they walk away from you, they feel good about having had that conversation. And that's important because when we get on our podcast, you know, I have my house, my podcast, the happiness agenda, and you can see that, you know, my camera is acting up real bad today, but when we yes. have that, it has a conversation to it. And that's what makes most podcasts, at least interesting, if not entertaining is we are able to have that conversation. And that's what it's all about. Isn't that when you tune into a podcast, don't you really want to be entertained?
1: hundred percent. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to I won't sit through a podcast that I'm not interested in if you can keep my attention we're gold and I will listen to the whole thing
2: right that's right that's exactly right you know, and that's, and all of those things come together. So if you can learn how to be a great conversationalist, you know, that's why I book myself as a confident conversationalist or an expert conversationalist is because when you learn to make other people feel comfortable on my podcast, people go, I'm nervous. What should I talk? I said, don't worry. We're going to have a conversation. I'll make sure that you're comfortable doing all the stuff that we need to do in order for you to get through this conversation. And when was the last time you had a conversation with somebody and you said, Hey, I'm nervous. I mean, not a job interview, but you met somebody you had a conversation with them, and you didn't go, I'm really nervous. No, you weren't. You just had a conversation. And that's what our job is, is to have these conversations that make other people feel better, more comfortable. And you know what? When they relax, everything starts to fall together.
1: Steve, you're 100% right. And that's why I love having you on right now. I feel comfortable and I'm having a conversation and I'm relaxed. There has been times where I have not been relaxed and this makes all the difference when you really just sit and have a conversation. And um, I mean, it's really really helpful.
2: You said it right there. There are times, and I mean, you and I know that we go back and edit our podcast a lot of times. There's some people that Mm -hmm. like, when I say, uh, isn't that right, Brittany, that the other person will go. "Uh, Yeah. I mean, that long pause, you're like, when you have conversations, is that what you do? You pause. Two, three seconds in between that, you are somebody talking and you talking, the answer is no. But for some reason, people who are not good at conversations leave those empty holes. And so when you, um, it'll take me sometimes three hours to edit a 25, 30 minute podcast because you have to take out all the spaces and the us and, and that's one of the critical things in learning to be great. In front of the camera, learning to be great on the microphone, learning to have that conversational style that really changes how people interact with you. And so it's real, real easy when people are good at conversation and comfortable that they relax and uh, fall into your categories.
1: 100%. Steve, you know, I love what you're doing and everything. And I wanted to ask you, you know, I wanted to go over the topic, shut up and succeed. Oh, yeah. I think this will be fun. Yeah. Well, please.
2: As a salesperson. And and unfortunately, every one of us is a salesperson. Okay. And that's what's critical on this is that when we start learning that we really are in sales, no matter what you do, and most people talk themselves right past that sales opportunity. And I think that's what's critical about that is when we say shut up and succeed, uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Somebody was, I was doing a, a workshop at some place and the people afterwards were introducing themselves to me. And when they introduced themselves, I said, well, what do you do? And, and this one person says, I do, uh, uh, I'll say office novelties, I forget what they're called advertising specialties, you know, so whether it's ink pens, or whether it's staplers, but you know, they can personalize it, and make it for you. And I went, Oh, you do that? She went, Yeah. And I don't see it right here in front of me. But I have this one little, cheap little stand that I put my phone on. And right in the front, it has my name, right? Steve Zapato seminars. And I've been looking wherever I got it, I've been looking to find it again, and I've never found it. So when she said I do advertising specialties, I went, oh, I am looking for a specific product that I've been wanting to refine. You think you might have it? And she said, and I went, it's a phone stand and it does this. She goes, oh, we have phone stands and we have this and we have that. And she went right on talking. And I'm like, okay. And what she should have said was, I'll bet you, let's have a conversation. Let's book an appointment. I will sit down with you and see if we can find that item. Now we may not have found that item, but we might've found 20 other items that I might've wanted. Had she said, I might have what you have, let's sit down and have a conversation. But she kept talking right past the sale. And that's what Mm -hmm. we all do. We talk ourselves right past whatever it is that we're wanting to accomplish. Sometimes it's a job interview. Sometimes it's a, um, a meeting where somebody asks a question and instead of just answering the question and then saying, does that answer that question? we answer the question and we keep talking. So another example is, have you ever been in a networking situation, whether it's uh, usually it's on Zoom these days, but somebody mm-hmm. says, oh, so Steve, tell us about you. Now, instead of Steve saying, hey, this, and I, by the way, we'll have a whole another conversation about how to uh, pitch yourself on a Zoom or a networking call, but they usually tell you all about themselves and then they keep talking and you're like, holy cow. I had one person one time and I was getting ready to move for about the fourth time a couple of years ago. And the person said they were a moving and storage company. I went, oh, and you know, after they were done, I said, can I have a few seconds? They went, yeah. I said, so you're a moving and storage company. I said, what area do you cover? And they gave me like 30 States. I went, okay, well, I don't want 30 States, but I have something in Moline that I Moline, Illinois, that I think um, could really, I, I need to move. And they went, Oh, well, you know, I said, and they went, we move everything. We move this, we move that, we do this, we do that. And I went, oh, okay. And he went, and we do all of this and we do all of that. And no offense meant he didn't shut up. Right. Mm -hmm. Talked himself by this time, somebody else needed to do their talking and their pitching. And instead of saying, Steve, why don't we get together after this? And I'll talk to you about what you need to move. They were so busy pitching themselves that they actually talk themselves out of a sale. And that's what we, when I say, you have to learn when to shut up and succeed because that's what it's all about, every conversation.
1: Otherwise it comes out like word vomiting, you know? We didn't ask for all the information. We, you know, just answered the darn
2: question. That's right, (laughs) answer just the question, just the question and then ask if that was okay. And if there's more, they'll ask you some more, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so that's what that's all about. The shut up and succeed is, is, a, is a, how to learn how to gauge what you're doing and be a lot more intuitive about how you approach other people.
1: I love it. I love it. Now, Steve, you mentioned something as, along the lines of how to pitch yourself on a Zoom call. Uh, do you mind diving into that?
2: Uh, I lo- that's one of my favorite topics. What do people like to talk about more than anything? Themselves. You have that, Brittany? Absolutely. Themselves. We all know that. I got Everybody, <laughs> Everybody <laughs> has that answer. And yet, what do we talk about when they say, Hey, Steve, tell us what you do. We talk about ourselves. Now, think about it. it's like, we know people love to talk about themselves, but we spend that whole 30 seconds a minute talking about ourselves. And I'm going to ask you one question. Do you care about that other person? No you care what that other person does? Not unless that other person does or can do something that can make a difference or help me. That's what's vital. So I always ask the question, why do you keep talking about yourselves? Why do you keep pitching about yourself? I'm going to give you another example. I love giving examples, by the way. Please do. No, I love this. (laughs) Thanks. If I'm an insurance person and you say, Steve, what do you do? I go, I sell insurance. I've been with XYZ insurance company. Well, here's the Here's the question I have. Once I say I sell insurance or I work for XYZ insurance company, what do you think I'm going to try and do? I'm going to try and sell you insurance. Isn't that right? So you don't want to talk to me anymore because you probably don't need insurance. And even if you do, Nobody wants to talk about insurance, even if we need it, right? It's like, I don't know, I'm not ready yet. Same thing with every other thing that you do. If you tell them what you do, they will presume they know what you do, how you do it, how much you charge for it, right? And they don't want to talk to you about it anymore. So wouldn't it be easier to ask a question or tell a story that it directly involves what you do? So if you say, instead of saying, hey, by the way, I sell insurance, you go, hey, you know, they go, would you introduce yourself? I go, yeah, hey, we're, I'm down here in Florida, and, and last month, we had this huge hailstorm, and I go, you guys hear about it? I go, nope, nobody hears, nope, nobody heard about it, but there were 1,200 homes in my subdivision that were affected by it, and do you know, fully half of the people did not have hail insurance, so my question, for you today is do you have hail insurance on your house and people go uh, i don't i don't know or yeah i go you know what i'll bet you half of the people who didn't have hail insurance thought they had hail insurance so here's what i'm gonna ask you to do go home today and find out if you have hail insurance and if you don't have hail insurance either call me or call your insurance agent and ask why you don't because it's minimal charge see what i say so i started off by asking or telling you a little bit of story a real life story that happened down here then i say if you don't have it you should get it you could either call me or call somebody else right Mm -hmm. but that story keeps people now the next time somebody says hey what kind of insurance do you have they might at dinner they might be going hey by the way bob do you have hail insurance and bob's gonna go i don't know why and they go because blah 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 right and they're off telling the story that i just told and they're gonna embed steve sapato as the insurance agent in their conversation. That's the one thing when we talk about how do you make an impact on the people at your networking event? Well, the question is how do you become memorable? You tell stories about their experiences, about their memories, their emotions, their experiences that involve them. So if I were to even just say, uh, um, hey, one 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 of the big things that we had, when I was a kid, I knew it was time to go home Right. How did you know when it was time to go home as a kid running around out outside? And I'm going to ask you that, Brittany. Did you ever play outside when you were a kid? All the time. So how did you know when it was time to go home?
1: When it was dark.
2: OK, when it was dark, we said when the street lights came on. Right. Somebody else says, well, I- you know, when it got dark or when this happened and I go when my dad whistled, I knew I was too late to go home. Because by then, my dad was already mad that I wasn't home at dark. But we all shared that experience. That little story brought back maybe some memories of when you were a kid. And, oh, yeah, remember when we used to play here or used to do that? Those memories are what solidify us. And you'll remember Steve Zapato because he shared a story about your childhood, even though it was about his own. Yeah. And so in networking, it's what can you tell People, what can you share with them? What can you ask them that will embed or embed or ingratiate you into their memories? Because that's what we want. People on uh, LinkedIn will write to you and say, "Hey, I saw your profile and I want to connect." I go, "Great. Uh, here's my uh, phone number. Why don't you call me and uh, we'll we'll get to know each other?" And they write back and go, "Well, here's my ad," and they throw out all this stuff, and you're like. Why? And I, you say, well, I can't, I'm not interested in your stuff. I won't use your stuff. And they go, well, if you know somebody who might need my services, would you please pass this on? And my question has always been, would I risk my reputation sending your information to my friends when I have no idea if you're any good at all? And the answer is no. So you won't get referrals from strangers because they're not gonna risk their reputation. First, you have to have these confident conversations where we get to know each other, we get to trust each other, we get to like each other, and then I'll go, hey, you know who, you know who gets this, you know who needs that, and then you refer those people. That's what networking really should be all about.
1: I love it. I agree with you as well. You know, and you mentioned, you know, the best way, well, one of the best ways anyways to keep people engaged is. Embedding that story, the, the memories, having that's something right. memorable, and that's huge. So telling a story and making a connection, I love it. Oh, you know, it just yeah. the conversation flows so much better anyway.
2: Yeah, it does, and that's because you ask them questions. You ask them the right questions. You ask them questions about them. It's like I have a a, a course. It's called Three Minutes to Yes, right? And it's if you want to fill up your calendar. Right. So many people say, well, I've got yeah, I'm doing OK. Could you use more appointments? Everybody I've ever talked to says, yes, I could use more appointments. Then why don't you have them? And it's because you don't know how to get them. And I run this course called Three Minutes to Yes. And it's real simple. It's a basic course, but it takes you through five to ten questions that you can ask at an in-person networking event that will guarantee you get an appointment with the person that you're talking to if that's what you want. And the first couple of questions you solidify whether there's somebody that you really wanna to talk to or get to know, or might have use for your product. But then how do you get them to almost guarantee every time that they'll say, let's sit down. And the first question I always get when I teach this is, but Steve, you didn't tell them anything about yourself. What did I start this off, the whole thing off with? Nobody cares about me. I will be able to get you appointment after appointment after appointment. I've gotten appointment after appointment after appointment. And the people have no idea what Steve Sapalo does. And you go, well, why would they make an appointment? You go, because I can solve their problem. That's what it's all about. I can solve their problem. And isn't that what you want to do? Solve their problem?
1: 100%. You, know, you want to hear them out, listen to their problems, and eventually offer a solution if you can
2: help That's them. That's right. That's right. If you can help them. And, and I will qualify. You can always help them. This is, this is why we're doing our Confident Conversations, cocoamastermind.com. The reason we're okay. doing that is because every time I talk to somebody, whether I can help them right now with my services or whether I can refer them to somebody who can help them right now, right? And that's what it's all about. Me knowing enough people so that when you say, you know what, Steve, one of my big challenges is X, Y, Z. And I, you know, like you might say, one of my big challenges is I really don't understand LinkedIn. Oh, I have two people. I have two LinkedIn people. One, Samantha, right? Bergdahl, who can answer all your questions about LinkedIn in terms of how it functions. So like the other day, she said, see, when you, you're Cocoa mastermind, how come you don't send out more DMs? And I go, because I got to send to the, you know, like 15, 18 people. And it's just tedious. And she said, why don't you send them all at once? I went, I, I don't know how to do that. And she said, And it was during a conversation. I didn't hire her. Right. We're not paying her. It was a conversation. we She said, oh, all you're going to do is this. And she taught me in six, seven minutes how to do that. So if you want to learn how to LinkedIn, right, I will say Samantha. On the other hand, if you already know a basic knowledge of LinkedIn and what you're struggling with is getting enough conversions from what you're posting, then I got Kenneth Nell and Kenneth Nell can help you figure out what to say, how to say it, and how to build that whole platform so that you get more engagement on LinkedIn. You see, so even if I couldn't help you with LinkedIn, I have two people who I could refer you to when you have conversations with them, might be able to help you with your LinkedIn. That is the key. So even if I can't help you, if we sit down for 40 minutes and talk about stuff and I go, I can't, you know, I have people say, I can't help you. Okay. And that's where they leave it because we never talk again. We sat yeah. down for 40 minutes. We kind of got to know each other. And then we went our separate ways and we never connected again. What a shame that we spent, some people say wasted, but you spent your time with somebody that you probably never get to know again. Why not keep that in touch um, uh, In touch with that? I don't know if you've ever heard of a thing called send out cards. Have you ever heard of send out cards?
1: I have heard of them. I'm not too sure if I know exactly what they are, though.
2: I'll, I'll do a brief thing because what it Please. is is, if I, it like, So you and I are connected. So if, if you get on my podcast, one of the things it asks for is your actual snail mail address. Because okay. if we connect and I decide we need to stay in touch, then what I want to do is make sure that I'm memorable to you. So I get on my send out card thing and I send you, I put in your address, your information, and I pick out a card that I want to send you. I could send a gift, but I prefer just to send a card at this point in time. And with that card, you know, I just put in the quick stuff. I'd say send, boom, it's off. And five days later from now, you get a card from Steve Zapato seminar. Steve Zapato, actually, because I don't put it in as a business. I say, it was a great pleasure talking to you. I really had a good time. Uh, you know, I hope we can make it a, a more permanent connection. We should talk again. And I go, if you would like to talk again, here's my email. Or please reach out to where you booked the podcast. And we'll talk again. Just book it. And you know what, if you're interested and make it a permanent growing relationship where we can really help each other, then you'll reconnect. And that means we need to start being every other week, right? not once a month, because that doesn't give us enough. We, we forget each other in that length of time. But every yeah. week, every two weeks, we actually reconnect on the phone. I mean, so it's a 10 minute phone call. You say, hey, you know, Brittany, I just wanted to touch base with you. I know we talked a couple of weeks ago. Um, how's business going for you? you know, and then I start to get to know you. By the way, I don't even know where you live in Canada. Is that where you live? Right? You know now, it. Yeah. <laughs> but I go, and and I don't know enough about Canada. Are you on the east coast of Canada, the west coast of Canada? Where are you? But you see, I'll start to learn that in our next conversation. I'll find out if you have a significant other, if you have children, how long you've been there, whether you don't want to stay there, how long All that stuff that comes together so that we get to know each other and you'll get to know that about me. So we get to know each other so that three months from now, when somebody says, hey, I can say, you know what you guys should get on Brittany's podcast, man, she's phenomenal. Because we get to know each other. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think also it's just like you're really just building a relationship and you're not so you're not attached to any outcome besides having that relationship and you're making them feel special. Right. You're not coming off sales. You're not like it's huge. It makes such a difference. And you're checking in. You haven't forgotten. You haven't dropped them just because, you know, you didn't get anything out of it. You didn't
2: didn't find me a place to speak in the next 30 days. I forget about you.
1: Right. Right. So, Steve, I think you have a really good, um, I think you have some good value to add to um, this next question that I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, but it, the American dream, how is it dying? Um, let's talk a little bit about the education system and how it teaches people to be followers.
2: Yeah, we could talk about enough. that for a long time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's let's dive in. I know we're close to the end of the interview, but I'd love to cover that if you don't mind. Cool. I, think no, I don't mind that add. at all.
2: That's you got you hit all my hot buttons. It's like ooh, I get so much to say. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, go back 30 years. I don't know how long it's been. Harry Chapin. If you remember Harry Chapin, "Cats in the Cradle" right. stuff. Harry Chapin wrote a song, and I'll make up the title for it. It was like uh, "Roses Are Red," and it was all about his child. He had had a little baby about his child going to school, and the teacher saying. Um, you're drawing these flowers, and you're making, you know, you got to stay in the lines, and when you color, you go outside the lines, when you do this, you you have to stay in the lines, and then the kid eventually learns that roses are red, and grass is green, and that's the way it's always been, and then he goes to another school, where the teacher says, hey, we're going to have art class, do what you want to do, and he draws roses are red, and grass is green, the teacher says, you know, Flowers can be all kinds of colors and it can do all kinds of stuff. And he goes, no, flowers are red and grass is green. And that's the way it's always been. And you see, Harry Chapin was trying to say, they're teaching my kid to only obey and follow. And that's what we do in American education today. Um, What's one thing you get to do every day? You and I can do this anytime we want. We can collaborate no matter what our challenge, no matter what our problem, I could call you up and say, hey, I have a problem. Maybe you could help me solve it. And we might bunk our heads together and figure it out. And maybe we can't. But in school, what do they tell you you can't do? Can't collaborate. You can't look at my paper. I can't look at your paper. If I'm stuck, I don't get to look over at your paper and figure out how to get unstuck. The teacher will get mad at me and say, no, that's cheating. It's not cheating. It's always been a collaboration until we get To school, and then suddenly we're doing it wrong if we collaborate, and you follow the rules. This is what you do. This is how you do it. Why do we have so much ADHD in schools? You know, when when you didn't, when I was a kid, why not? There were just as many stupid and unruly kids, right? The difference was, of course, discipline. They could whack you in those days. (laughs) You went, "I'm not going to (laughs) get whacked. I'll think I'll sit down." But it was also, um. The teachers then put up with a lot more. So when the te- when the students were a little bit unruly, they just said, "Hey, go sit down, go do this." You know. But now, if you're unruly or if you're uh, ADHD, supposedly, it just means you're mm-hmm. hyper/hypo. And all it means is you're not learn. They're not teaching the way you're supposed to learn. They're not teaching it so that you're interested. They're not teaching you something that you're interested in in a way that you might be interested in it. And that, as we've just talked about here. If you're at a networking event and you've got 15 people who give their elevator pitch, trust me, you stopped listening to most of them. You know you did. And, and by the time they get through, you're bored to death. Well, guess what? That's the same ADHD as the kids in school. That's what makes no sense is that we, as an adult, we go, I'm just not gonna pay any attention. And when you stop paying attention, nobody says, hey, Steve, you gotta pay attention here. Doesn't happen, right? But in, in the real world, they don't make you do that. In school, you have to pay attention. You're like, uh, okay, but you're boring me to death. <laughs> so I'm with you. The education system does need to be completely revamped. The education system has to start allowing children to explore the boundaries, to learn the way they need to learn. I mean, how many, I can't tell you how many times I've looked at the new math and said, that makes no sense to me. And it doesn't, the way they do it, I go, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Does that mean it's wrong? Absolutely not. But when I was in school doing some math, and I remember my math teacher saying, Mr. Sapato, that's the right answer. Would you come up and show us on the board how you did that? And I went up on the board and I showed them. and they went, no, that's incorrect. I go, why? And they went, because that's not how you're supposed to have gotten to it. Does that mean there is isn't more than one way to get to the answer? No, obviously I got to the answer. And they, but they wanted me to follow these rules. And when you didn't follow their rules, you lost half value on your problem. So instead of getting an A, I would get a C because I was doing it different. You're like, "Hmm, how does that make any sense? We do that in everything we do. And that's why I'm with you. The education system is Mm -hmm. really the trouble with, they teach you how to get a job. They don't teach you how to invent. They don't teach you how to create. They certainly don't teach you, um, They don't teach you how to run a checkbook. They don't teach you how to have a winning relationship. They don't teach you how to deal with disappointment. That's why everybody gets a trophy. They don't teach you the stuff that you need to learn in order to excel in life. You know, um, there are people, somebody, uh, you ever watch those guys on the street, on uh, Facebook or whatever it is, and they'll say, uh, answer this question for a hundred bucks, right? What country does the Sea of Japan, right, border? And they're like, what country is the Sea of Japan border? And they come up with China or something, you know, and the guy's like, no, you know, you lose a hundred bucks. But it's like, let's see, the Sea of Japan probably borders on Japan, don't you think? <laughs> it's, right, like, right. it's like, you know, what state it's borders Lake like Michigan? A... Yeah, so, I mean, it is. Yeah. It's, we haven't taught the people how to think critically outside the box.
1: We have, and you're 100% right about that because I am a former teacher and I I can relate to that because we weren't taught the things that we need to be taught. And so um, when you try to incorporate that at a school that doesn't agree with it, it makes it very difficult to continue wanting to do what you're passionate about. Um, You know, for me, I wanted to be able to help everyone. So there's different techniques that I would use, however, instead, um, that wouldn't fly. Right. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, we aren't educated the way we should be. For well, real I life. went,
2: I went back at 44 years of age and I thought I, I had been a real estate appraiser for a number of years and I thought, boy, I'd really like to go back and maybe change professions and teach high school. I was a, I love theater. So I was, I was already teaching. Um, you know, part-time at the high school level, teaching theater, stage construction, that kind of stuff. But I went back and uh, what happened in this situation was the kids said, now I've already lost my train of thought because I was trying to keep from blipping out on my stuff. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it was, it was the type of thing. It's the type of thing where when we teach somebody something, if it's not specifically our way, They don't have to learn it. So when you said, um, "Well, I wish I could get it back," because it's a it's actual event. Oh, there was a a student in class. Oh, it's not going to come back. I'm sorry, just not going to come back. That's okay.
1: No worries. Um, like you mentioned, you know, or I mentioned, they don't teach us what we need to 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 really live in this day and age. And I mean, everyone learns differently, and
2: oh, you know, like I know you want to hear it. Want to hear it real quick? Yes, yes, Okay. (laughs) 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 Okay, Um, there was this kid, and he's only like 14 years old. He was in the advanced English class, and he wasn't doing well, and so I got to set in as a a student teacher, got to set in on the meeting between the counselor, the teacher, and the parents, and they had them all sitting there, and I'm supposed to sit back and shut up, even though I was older than everybody else in there, and Um, they said the kid wasn't there, but they were talking to the parents, and they said, "Your son's not doing well. You know, he we put him in advanced English because we he was we thought he was bored to death in basic English without this would help, and it didn't. He's getting really bad grades." And they go, "Can you tell us, you know, about your son?" And you're like, "What does he read? Does he read anything?" And they went, "Oh, he just reads junk." And they went, "Well, what do you mean by junk?" He goes, "They go, he's always reading Stephen King novels." Well, I don't know if you know anything about it, but Stephen King novels in those days were these thick. I mean, like 300, 400 pages. Yeah. Complicated thoughts, ideas, verbiage, all that stuff. This 14 year old is reading Stephen King novels. And when it's the not parents <laughs> no, and when the parents said he's just reading junk and they said, like what? They said Stephen King novels. So the counselor said, oh, yeah, that's not good stuff. That's you know, that'll mess his mind up. And the teacher said, well, I guess the best thing we can do is move him back to remedial English and see if he can get through that. See, it wasn't a matter of the kid not excelling when he got to read his stuff, when he got to push his own limits. He was reading stuff that adults were like, "Ooh, this is great stuff. And the teachers were like, no, I think he should fail.
1: What is society...
2: Yeah, you missed it. You missed how good this kid really was and probably hurt him forever. I don't know what happened to him after that, because, of course, I didn't stay in teaching after a few instances like that. But it was really, you know, I can't imagine not being able to excel when you're reading that kind of stuff in an English class, you know.
0: It's, but so, yeah, yeah that's education. That's,
2: that's, no. That's education to me. That's why uh, when people talk about homeschooling now, I say, yeah, you need to homeschool your child because of the stuff that's going on out there today. It's crazy. But we also need parenting classes. You know, a lot of parents don't. One of the biggest things I tell people all the time is you're lacking in discipline. I judge people by how their dog acts people go, what? I I judge people how their dog acts. And they go, if your dog is just jumping all over and barking like crazy, and you say, stop it. And the dog keeps doing that. Your dog's not disciplined, right? You, You don't have that dog under control. And I bet you, your kids are the same way. You're so busy trying to make them friends. You're so busy trying to keep them happy that they aren't getting the boundaries they need to become happy. We need boundaries. We need to know. Matter of fact, I just posted another thing on LinkedIn that was all about How do I excel when I'm just all over the place? And the answer was, when somebody helps you focus, when they help you find that place where I only have two things I have to get done today. Boy, you get those two things done. You put those boundaries out here. And it's like, man, I got 12 things I got to get done today. Where do I start? How do I get started? What do I need to do? And that's the answer. You go, I don't know, right? So focus, boundaries, self-discipline, as well as the discipline your parents should be offering, parenting classes.
1: I'm behind you on the parenting. Uh, as a former teacher, you, can, you know right away who has discipline and who does not, oh, yeah. based on who's being respectful and who's not, who's listening. And I can, you can't even blame the kids. It's like, you know, right away, this is a parenting issue. That's right. And it's hard as a teacher. It was hard for me as a former teacher because you can't discipline them yourselves, right? Uh, but I mean, it makes it harder on the student, and then it makes it harder on the teacher and in general. So it starts at home for sure.
2: It absolutely does. Absolutely does. And we need to go back to basic parenting courses when the people are going to have a baby, when they're pregnant or right after the kids are born. Uh, how right. important actual discipline really is. To a child, and what we learn from that discipline. I agree. Thanks, Steve.
1: We're. I know we're. we're we went over our episodes, but this is just too good. I mean, you know, I, 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 I do have another question. Though. Yeah, go ahead. If if we have, uh, you know, for the next two minutes, if you could tell us what your biggest focus and desire is for this for 2023, I'd love to hear it.
2: Um, my. What I really am focused on right now is trying to get people involved in my cocoamastermind.com, confident conversations mastermind. And the reason for that is because most of us don't have conversations that lift other people up. It's such a simple process, but most of us don't adhere to it. So uh, again, I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm Mm on the pickleball courts one day and I have uh, grapes that are just really cold. I'd kept them in the fridge And I pulled them out of this container where I kept them on ice and I'm popping them in because it was like, you know, 85, 95 degrees uh, that day. And I'm popping out my ice cold grapes and a lady next to me says, what do you got there? I went, oh, ice cold grapes. I said, they've been sitting on ice. You want one? She went, you know, what's better than that? Frozen grapes. Boy, if you want something really good, frozen grapes are better than that. I went, no kidding. She goes, I love frozen grapes. See, without even thinking about it, she took what I was doing and negated it. Cold grapes aren't nearly good enough. You have to have, now, how many, put that in any other topic you want. You know, I do this. Oh, I do that better. Oh, I make make spaghetti with meat sauce. Oh, I make spaghetti with meatballs, which is so much better. I, I add sugar to my spaghetti. Oh, man, you ruined your spaghetti. We do that all the time. They're not uplifting conversations. So imagine what you're doing at networking events when you're having a conversation with somebody. When somebody says something, and you know there are people who, I call it one-upmanship. Some people try to always one-up you. Some people, like the grape lady, didn't mean to one-up you, but automatically did without thinking. They weren't taught to lift me up. She could have said, oh man, cold grapes are absolutely the best. I prefer mine frozen, but boy, I sure appreciate that you like yours cold. Boom. We both win, but she didn't do I that. And that's what you have to learn how to do that with all your conversations. Well,
1: like the basics and we don't yep, do yeah. it. You're so, tr- you're so right. Like,
2: well, who taught it? Who really- taught, who taught you how to have a conversation? Mhm. No one. See, that's like who taught you how to have a relationship when you if you're if you're in love, you know, most of the time, um, if you've read the five love languages and you understand the five love languages, then you might have a, a, an idea of whether the person you're talking to is somebody you want to be connected to. So if I know that uh, your love language is acts of service and I'm constantly buying you gifts you're going to get frustrated. You go, I don't care about gifts. I, I want you to I want you to do the dishes for me or take out the garbage for me. or I want you to open the door for me. You know, I want you to those are acts of service, whereas I'm giving you gifts. Hey, here's some roses, here's some flowers. You go, uh. And so we will never come together because you want this. I'm giving you this. And so right. it's real funny how our communication is what prevents us from having these wonderful romantic relationships also it's it's really a a challenge like so when you say who taught us when's the last time you went to a um, a workshop or a seminar on love and relationships almost never when's the last time you went to a parenting course to learn how to raise your children almost never see all those things are right here we should take them just like a confident conversation course on how do you have a conversation with somebody that raises us both up so that they go I want to do business with you. I would really like to work with you. You know what? I'm starting a new company and I think you would be really good with my company. I mean, that's what we have to start looking for, especially in this new society that we're bringing up is how do we connect with more people?
1: Yeah, in everyday life and every relationship, whether it's, whether it's romantic or whatever it
2: is. Sure, interpersonal See, relationships have always been hard. Yeah. Go ahead
1: no, no, you're fine. 100 uh, percent. and it's a life like it's at home, it's at, in business, it's everywhere. so it's so everywhere. important. and it's crazy we are not taught that. No. It's, the society's messed up.
2: <laughs> you think so? <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's make some more electric cars by putting slaves into the cobalt mines down in Tanzania or wherever they are. Mm, you think right? we're a little messed up? Yeah. no
1: (laughs) Steve this has been absolutely such a pleasure to have you on today we had a real real good conversation I thought so anyways and I honestly appreciate it this has been a lot of fun and this conversation is real and I mean this has been great so I really appreciate appreciate it it.
2: of course but
1: before we jump off I want to make sure that you know if anyone's looking to connect with you and maybe they want to join the cocoa mastermind, uh, or get, get some advice on stuff. What would be the best way to reach out?
2: Best way is to just send me an email. Steve okay. at stevesapato.com. Steve at stevezapato.com. S-A-P-A-T-O. Steve at sapato.com. And, uh, uh, love to talk with you then drop me an email that says, Hey, um, I like what you said about and share what you'd like, what you want to learn more about or what we want to talk about. If you disagree with me, send me an email and we'll have a nice little disagreeable conversation.
1: Love it. Steve, thank you again. This has been absolutely incredible. Thanks, Brittany. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur or higher and would like to come on just like Steve did today to talk about the business, but talk about stories and have a real-life conversation, Please go to top100interview.com. I'd love to have you on as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Steve. Catch you guys on the next episode. Bye.
0: Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free